So when I was four and my sister was two, we had just had baptism Sunday at church. And um, one night our mother was giving us a bath and uh, we were in the bathtub and she walked out of the bathroom for a minute and she came back and I had my two-year-old sister and I said, I now baptize you in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And I dunked her under the water. And it started early for me, I guess, back uh, many years ago. I tried to make the case last Sunday on Easter that knowing the risen Christ means living differently from other people in the world. It means living our lives in a revolutionary manner. And it's not always easy because others aren't necessarily doing the same thing. And that can be hard. Jesus' resurrection marked a change in the history of the world. And all of us are called to be a part of this radical change. Now, what are the signs of that new way of living? I mentioned five last week. Accepting God's forgiveness and forgiving others. If you want to be forgiven in life, then you must forgive other people. We must face our fears. We can't let fear and anxiety rule our lives. We must be humble. We can't act as though we are the center of the universe. We must guard against arrogance. Fourth, we must show genuine compassion to those who are hurting in the world. And usually we don't have to look too far to find somebody who's hurting. And lastly, we must be about healing because Jesus Christ was a healer. And there is a lot of pain and a lot of hurt in this world. And there is a lot of healing to do. Today is a very special day because we are baptizing these 29 members of our disciples class, which is quite a workout. I was glad that Farrell uh, baptized her daughters and gave me a, a little break there. But it's also important Sunday because we are uh, kicking off our stewardship campaign that we do every April. And I can't think of a better way to do that than to baptize 29 young people into uh, the church. They have spent the last few months with Justin, with their mentors, asking the important questions of faith, learning about what it means to follow Jesus Christ, learning that that is not an easy thing to do. It requires commitment and sacrifice and intentionality. It requires steadfastness. And, um, and I always tell them that this is just the beginning of your journey. Baptism is a holy sacrament. And a sacrament is an outward and visible sign of a divine and invisible grace. Through baptism, we are faithful to the great commission of Jesus Christ, who said, Go, make disciples of all nations, baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Teach them to obey what I have commanded you. And then he gave us that promise. I will be with you always until the end of the age. At Woodmont, we practice believers' baptism by immersion. Um, other traditions practice sprinkling uh, at the same time that we do uh, baby dedications. The, the order of when water is used is not important. What is important is that we understand the theological significance. There is one step that happens before we are aware of what is going on. It includes our families and our church family. And then there is a step that happens when we are at the age of understanding and we know what it means to make a confession of faith. And yes, there's a good chance that some of the uh, young folks that were baptized today, they might have been sprinkled as an infant. And that's okay. That's okay. What I'd like to do this morning very briefly is I want to share 
some wisdom with these young people about the Christian life and really with all of you as well. And I try to do this every year. I try to think what's the best thing that I can say to them on the day of their baptism that they can take to heart and that they can apply to their faith and to their spiritual life in the days and in the years ahead. But first, I want to make an important distinction this morning that I think is very important. There's a difference between cultural Christianity and authentic discipleship. Cultural Christianity does not necessarily mean that you take Jesus seriously. Cultural Christians turn to their faith when it's convenient for them. Cultural Christians often don't want to be inconvenienced or challenged or made uncomfortable. Cultural Christians tend to think that being a Christian is just part of what it means to be a nice person. And the truth is there are lots of people in this world who aren't Christians who are very nice. But authentic discipleship is different. Authentic discipleship understands that faith is not easy or convenient. Unconditional love and forgiveness is not easy or convenient. But authentic discipleship means that we are committed to living the way that Jesus calls us to live to love God and to love neighbor, to show grace and to show mercy to others, to treat others the way that we want to be treated. It doesn't mean that we always get it right, but we are constantly trying to do better. I was having lunch with uh, one of the leaders in this church about a week or so ago, and he said, you know, I've just always tried to live my life by the golden rule, and if I can do that, then things usually work out pretty well. That's a great, great starting point. The golden rule is so important. If I were to ask you today, what would you tell these young people who have just been baptized into the church? What is the best advice that you would give them on the date of their baptism? How would you respond to that question? What would you say? Some of you are parents and grandparents and you've already told them or will tell them a word or two about the Christian faith and what it means and what it is. And you're already sharing that wisdom with them. First of all, I'm gonna mention a few things this morning. I think that Christianity is first and foremost about having an ongoing, healthy relationship with Jesus Christ. That's our relationship with God through Christ. And that relationship, in my opinion, should transcend denominations, church structure, politics, any of the baggage that organized religion sometimes brings with it. As a minister, I can tell you that organized religion is necessary but it's also capable of draining your spiritual life because you can get inundated with the stuff of the church, the meetings and the budgets and the squabbles and the egos and the power games. You know what I mean? All the things that, that happen when human beings get together and, and, and try to organize. And there are many good ministers and many good Christians who have left the church in an effort to save their faith or save their spiritual life because they get tired of some of that stuff. Many Christians are guilty of getting so caught up in theology and creeds and doctrines and social issues that they often neglect the most important thing, which I think is having an authentic relationship with Jesus Christ that inspires you, that challenges you, and that doesn't leave you the same. We have to ask what was his nature? What did he teach? How did he treat others? What did he spend his time doing? What was most important to him? What does it mean to bring the kingdom of God to earth? 
And the way we know God is by knowing Christ on a personal level. Second, Christianity is centered on one word, and that word is love. Loving others even when it's hard. Paul says this in Romans, let love be genuine. Hate what is evil, hold fast to what is good. Love one another with mutual affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. Love is not always easy. Love is not always convenient. Love is a choice that we make. Remember, the greatest commandment, love God with your heart, soul, mind, and strength. The second commandment, love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus says on these two things, hang all the law and the prophets, all of it. We read in 1 John that we should love one another because love is from God. Everyone who loves is born of God and knows God, and whoever does not love does not know God, for God is love. And the love that I'm talking about this morning should be evident in the way that we live, in the way that we talk, in the way that we treat other people, including our family. It's agape love. Unconquerable goodwill towards other people. Even people that have hurt you, even people that maybe you don't like being around. The word love is at the heart of the gospel. Third, Christianity requires and demands ongoing commitment, sacrifice, and generosity, which includes supporting the mission of the church. Now, every year we, we, we do our stewardship campaign at this time, and we ask you, those of you that are members of Woodmont, to think about making a commitment to support the mission and ministries of the church for another year, because we can't do anything here without the support and without the sacrifice of you, of me, of all of us. You know, one of my biggest fears for, for many years now has been that Christianity in 21st century America will become a religion of convenience and not conviction. It will become a religion that, that affluent people squeeze into their schedules whenever time allows, but it will frequently take a back seat to other things. And that's what I fear because sometimes that's what I see. And I've referred to this before as rapid secularization, which I do think is a reality in our culture. But sacrifice and commitment is very important. Being present is very important. Spiritual discipline is very important, including reading the Bible and praying daily and serving others, forgiving others, giving your time and your money, going to church, worshiping. And we have to make these things a priority in our lives. And we have to remember that we can't be a Christian alone. It happens in community. It happens with, with other people. There's that wonderful story about the minister who had an older man in his church who hadn't been there in a long time and he, he hadn't seen him and so he wondered where he had been. So he made an appointment to drive out. He lived on a farm, a cold winter day. He drove out to visit this man and he got there and before the minister could say anything, the man said, you know, I'm just, I'm just tired of the church. It's full of hypocrites. They, they say they believe one thing and they do something else. And I just, I just don't think you need all of that to be a Christian. I can read my Bible. I can pray on my own. I can do all this by myself. And without saying a word, the minister, they were sitting in front of a glowing fire. And the minister got one of the prods and he reached in and he, he, he moved a piece of wood over to the side. And both men watched as that piece of wood slowly burned out and turned to ash. 
And he said, say no more, I'll be back in church next week. The reality that the Christian faith is often much better caught than it is taught. Being around people whose faith is important, whose faith is a priority, it matters. Many in our culture say that they're spiritual but not religious. What does spiritual growth look like? I like to go back to Galatians 5 where Paul says, you want to do a spiritual inventory? See how many of these fruits of the Spirit you have in your life. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, generosity, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And chances are all of us have one or two of those things that we need to work on right now. We live in an age where people are now busier than they have ever been before. Busyness, for some reason, seems to be a sign of status. How have you been? Oh, I'm so busy. It must be important. Now, whether we're actually accomplishing anything more is, is debatable. The technology that's in our pockets has created an expectation that we will be available at any given time. And I'm convinced that sometimes the pace of our lives drowns out our spiritual life. And if we don't take the time to be still, to be quiet, to reflect, to nurture our souls, then our ability to connect with God will be taken away. We'll become just accustomed to the fast pace of life. But faith requires commitment and spiritual growth requires that we slow down and tend to the soul. The fourth thing that I would tell our young people today is that Christianity calls us to be around people and to serve people that are not like us and that are less fortunate than us. In Galatians, Paul writes, as many of you as were baptized into Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ. There is no longer Jew or Greek. There's no longer slave or free. There's no longer male or female. For all of you are one in Christ Jesus. The difference is that we make such a big deal out of in, in our culture dissipate when we look at the body of Christ and what it means to be baptized into the body of Christ. You see, Jesus was constantly pushing the social norms of his day. He associated with people that were considered outcasts and sinners, untouchables. And he calls us, I think, out of our homogenous comfort zones to be around and to serve people that might not be like us, might not look like us. We have to go build habitat houses. We have to go up to Morgan and Scott County like we have a group doing this weekend to serve those in Appalachia. We have to go on mission trips to Guatemala and Haiti and Africa. Right now we're having a special series on Wednesday nights where we're talking about uh, important issues in our community and this week we're gonna talk about public education and how can we make sure that we're providing our children in this community with Better public education, that's an issue that, that matters to everybody. Now naturally, we can be drawn to people that are just like us. And so I think that means we have to work hard to reach out and serve people that are not like us. Lastly this morning, the Christian faith is about being missional and it's about living out the Great Commission that we find in Matthew 28. It's the last thing that Jesus says to his disciples. Go and make disciples of all nations. Baptize them. Teach them to obey my commandments. 
if your faith is strong and if it changes your life, then you will want to go and share it with other people and not just keep it to yourself. Or remember what St. Francis once said, go and preach the gospel and use words only if it's necessary. Live out the Great Commission. I've always said it's not a great suggestion. It's a great commission. Go and introduce yourself to people who need to hear the message of Christ. They need to experience the compassion and the love of Christ. Let your faith speak. Let your life speak. So I'll say this morning, congratulations to our young people. We are proud of you. We're happy for you. We're here for you. We love you. And you're in for a wonderful lifelong journey. And remember, today marks the beginning. Amen.